Well, good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to our second Anchored in the Word morning reflection for this week. And if you joined us yesterday, you'll know that we are in Luke chapter 11, and we're reading verses 23 through 28 together. So if you have a Bible, let's take it together, and let's read this passage. And then this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to deal with the context of the passage before we work into um, uh, interpretation and application. So here's what the scripture says. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I'll return unto my house whence I came out. When he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. And he goeth out and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, the paps which gave thee suck. And he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Now, we're looking at context this morning. And in this passage, if we want to understand the context of what is being stated here, we've actually got to go back to the preceding verses. And so I'm going to read to you a portion of what we read in verses 14 to 20. And that's going to set the, the tone so that we can understand what Jesus is talking about when he talks about uh, demons being cast out of a person, going about, coming back, bringing more. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't understand what has taken place leading up to these statements. And it doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't understand that Christ is speaking in a proverbial manner. So in verses 14 through 20, we see this, the following statements. He was casting out devils and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out of the dumb, he spake. The people wondered, and some of them said, He casteth out devils through the power of Beelzebub. That little piece is very important. They wondered, some say, it's by Satan's power. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. A house divided against itself falleth. If Satan is divided from himself, how shall his kingdom stand? But... If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, let me kind of lay it out this way. Christ has healed someone who was demon-possessed. And he did this as a sign. And the reason that he performed this sign was to call the people's attention to some truths. Let me share with you what those truths are. One, the kingdom of darkness, in fact, is very evil and very destructive. Two, that kingdom has to answer to Christ. Sometimes we get in our minds that Satan can go rogue and do it any, anything that he wants to do. And the kingdom of darkness is comparable in power to God's kingdom. And the answer is, well, that's not the case. And these verses show that. They demonstrate that Satan answers to Christ. Even in Christ's humiliation, at this point before the cross, before the resurrection, before the ascension, he still has the power and the authority to command these evil spirits to leave this man. And in fact, they have to do it. Third, the religious system that was established in Israel at the time of Christ was incapable of addressing the greatest need that these people had, the root cause of sin and its ultimate consequences. And then fourthly, those who were deceived by that system were vulnerable to greater misery than had they never come to embrace the system 
that was prevalent in their day. So Jesus is calling attention to those truths. Those religious leaders were not only uh, rejecting Jesus, but they were actually attributing his sign, his miraculous sign that was meant to demonstrate those truths that we just mentioned. They were attributing that to the power of Satan. I mean, what a blasphemy against this witness that was given uh, to authenticate or demonstrate who Jesus is. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he, he confronts their worldview. He doesn't just leave it alone. He goes after it. And he confronts it in at least two ways. One, he reminds them that Satan would never overthrow his own kingdom. Satan is trying to establish authority. He's not going to attack his own authority and undermine it. And then two, he's demanding that they would explain how people who claimed the system that they were a part of and believed that they were able to cast out devils, proving their own authority. He says, how do these people do that? Are they doing this by Satan's power as you charge against me? The third thing, or excuse me, the fourth thing we see is that he embraced this confrontation for a reason. It was to expose the powerless nature of the religious system of the day and to contrast it with the truth of the gospel. And I'll kind of lay out this contrast in this way. When we talk about the religious system of the rabbis, what they were teaching, it was a visibly attractive thing. If you were a conscientious person, you see the strictness of the rules, you see uh, the, the carefulness of the dress and the following of ritual and all those things, and there appears to be a soberness and a, and a giving to God, and you say, that's attractive, that must be the truth. They kept a strict series of codes, and they were careful to do their deeds in a public setting so that people could see those things. And they maintained real authority, both religious authority and political authority in Israel at the time. They had a morality, and this morality was attractive to the people, but this morality was lacking something. It was lacking the regenerating power of the gospel. In many ways, you could say it was simply a facade. What you saw was all that there was. What was under the surface, in fact, it was rotten and decaying, and Jesus confronted it many, many times. Their external righteousness was like a hook, and that hook was further strengthening the root of pride that was permeating every aspect of the things that they were doing. So that's what we have on one side. We have the religious system of the rabbis that's very attractive visibly, and we contrast that with the gospel, the truth. The gospel confronts the greatest problem that people have, and it addresses it on the root level, at the heart level. It calls people to God's perfect standard of righteousness, and it says, compare yourself to the perfect standard of righteousness, and what will you see? Well, you'll see that you fall short. Like in Romans 3, it says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we compare ourselves to the righteous standard of Christ, we fall miserably short, and we see that we are absolutely incapable of bridging the gap between God and man. And what does the gospel do? Well, it shows us our inability to come to God through our own righteousness. It shows us our sinfulness and the bankrupt 
the bankruptcy of our righteousness, but it presents to us hope. And that hope is in the person of Christ. And it's what he did for us. We can experience his grace, his saving grace, where he removes our sin debt. He brings us to himself. He forgives us. He makes us new creatures in Christ. And he begins to transform us from the inside out. <clears throat> in other words, the gospel brings forgiveness, cleansing, and new life in Christ. The gospel empowers someone who has been regenerated. They were once spiritually dead. They're now spiritually alive. It actually empowers them to walk in newness of life, to walk according to the purpose that God has for them. And this gospel provides a steadfast anchor to stabilize people in a fallen world. No matter the hardship, no matter the difficulty, the gospel is the rock that we stand on because it says you're right with God. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are righteous in Christ. You are alive in Christ. And it's all based on what God did for you, not what you do for him. And so if we're going to understand what Jesus is saying, the actual content of the text in front of us, we have to begin by understanding the context. And that's the context. It's a clash of worldviews. One is morality and the other one is gospel and Jesus is saying that these two systems are incompatible not only does one fall short but in fact it leaves people destitute of the truth and in serious trouble even worse off than when they started I hope that tomorrow you can join us as we continue working our way through this text and we talk more about the content of the passage have a blessed rest of your morning and Lord willing see you tomorrow bye now